Well, good morning, Genesis. It's at 10 o'clock. Uh, it's good to be with you all. Uh, last time I was with you all back in August of 2018, uh, I had a lot more hair on top of my head and a lot more hair on my face. So if you're just beginning to recognize me again, that's okay. Michael did the same thing when he saw me yesterday and was like, who are you? Um, had the privilege to be with you all many times before. Last time I was with you, just to give you an update, uh, it was a very important time in the life of my family in that my wife was here and uh, suffering from a lot of different physical complications, and your church prayed for her multiple times. Uh, e- after each service uh, prayed for, we had individuals come up and pray for her. Uh, and that season, particularly in August of September 2018, uh, she still suffers from uh, the combination of autoimmune disease and genetic disorder and deficiencies and that. But uh, in terms of her spirit, I want to encourage you all that your prayers have impacted her. Uh, She will be here around 1030, and then we'll be worshiping with the last service at 1130. But but please be encouraged, and thank you, because each and every one of your prayers uh, was a way that God meant to express his love to her, as well as to um, just bring her into a place of deeper trust in what he's doing during this time. And so uh, we're grateful for you all. So glad to be here. And uh, continuing in that theme of prayer... Um, that's where we're going this morning. Uh, the title of the sermon is The Shamelessly Bold Persistent Prayer. So I want to ask you the question, when was the last time you prayed a shameless, bold, audacious, wild prayer? And we can put that in a category. Some of us struggle with prayer. Some of us say, Mike, I've got a shameless prayer, I think, that I've been praying for a long time, and God just seems to be saying no or wait. And so it's hard to move into that. Some of us are curious. The North African, St. Augustine, said, prayer increases our capacity for God. And I don't know about you, but if God is truly beautiful and truly good and genuine in his love towards me, then I need a capacity to receive that. Because whether you're someone here this morning who doesn't believe in God and You wonder how you got here, or maybe someone invited you, and you finally said, yeah, I'll come. And prayer just seems a mystery. Well, prayer's a mystery for those that do believe in God. Uh, It's a space we step into and with wonder, and and oftentimes we think a lot of that space needs to be where we say a lot, but if this is the king of kings that we just sang about, this is the king of the universe, then maybe prayer is a space in which we actually do more listening than talking, because what would it be like to hear him speak in the silence in a way that we understand his presence is near, that he's not just an infinite God, he's an imminent God. He's not just the one who reigns over all, he's the one who draws close. And, and that's the season that we're going to step into in Advent. Advent means a coming. What is it like to anticipate Jesus in his coming? But in the midst of prayer, Jesus had something to say. In fact, there are only really two times he talked about what to pray, and we're going to focus on one of them this morning. And someone that stepped into what Jesus instructed in prayer was a woman named Tatiana Gorocheva. This happened decades ago, underneath the Iron Curtain, in the midst of communist Russia. Someone who was a brilliant Russian scholar, was an atheist, didn't consider prayer to be communication with anyone, but practiced yoga. And in her yoga book, it instructed her while she was doing yoga to say the Our Father, or if you come from a Protestant tradition, it would be the Lord's Prayer. And so she said, sure. And in the book, Moving Towards Emmaus, she said this, 
I began to say the Our Father as a mantra, automatically and without expression. I said it about six times, and then I was suddenly turned inside out, and I understood in my whole being that he exists. He, the living personal God who loves me and all creatures, who has created the world, who became a human being out of love, the crucified and risen God. At that moment, I understood and grasped the mystery of Christianity, the new true life. That was real, genuine deliverance. And at this moment, everything in me changed. The old me died. I gave up not only my earlier values and ideals, but also my old habits. Finally, my heart was also open, and I began to love people. I could understand their suffering and also their lofty destiny. In that moment, Tatiana Gorocheva and the God she didn't believe in, Jesus met her in which she prayed the prayer that Jesus teaches all his disciples to pray, and it became shameless. It became bold. It became wild and audacious where everything changed. And I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, sometimes we can be looking for the next new thing or the next big thing. We consider, well, what would it be better to try this? And yet, again, would we be willing to come back to this ancient path? The prophet Jeremiah in a time in which the people of God were about to go into exile. The people of God were about to endure the suffering of worshiping these other gods who were going to truly reign over them. And yet, Jeremiah said, Look back to the ancient past. And so in this moment, being almost 2,000 years removed from the time when Jesus taught this prayer, would you join me in potentially looking back at this mystery, at this curiosity, at this wonder of a prayer that seems so simple, it's less than 30 seconds long, and yet what is God unpacking that is cosmically restoring, that is history-altering, that is personally transforming, that Jesus would say to his disciples, when you pray pray this. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 11, or if you have your tablet or your phone, the, the verses will be behind me. But just again, to consider just how wild is this prayer, Tertullian, who was a leader in the early church, said the Lord's Prayer is an abridgment of the entire gospel. Is the entire good news of God that we just sang in King of Kings captured in this prayer that lasts for 20 seconds? Simone Weil, who was a French philosopher and mystic, said, there may never have been another prayer written that was not already contained in the Pater. That somehow all our praise and all our prayers are captured in the crescendo of what Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And so when I said, when was the last time you prayed a bold, shameless, audacious prayer? When was the last time you prayed the Lord's Prayer? Whether it was with other believers, whether it was in within your own devotion, when was the last time you prayed? Because in that moment, based on what Jesus is about to show us in Luke 11, you were praying a shamelessly bold, persistent, audacious, and wild prayer that shocks us and shocks the world if we understand what Jesus is saying. In Luke 10, before Jesus teaches them this prayer, he had just sent out the 72 disciples. He had sent them to towns that they had lived in, he had sent them to towns in which they knew people. He had sent them out, and he said, when you go out to these towns, I want you to preach the good news of the kingdom that you've heard me preach. I want you, as he said, the Spirit's come upon me to preach the good news to the poor. Go do that. And not only that, you've seen lepers healed. That's going to happen. You've seen demons and evil cast out. That's going to happen. You've seen sight given to the blind. You've seen the deaf 
here. That's going to happen in you, but it's going to happen for some of you. Some of you are going to go and you're going to receive a person of peace and you're going to see the kingdom of God break in. Some of you are going to get rejected. A lot of times that's what I feel uh, in the midst of God's journey with me right now is I get to be those that he commissions just as much as the others, but I get to face and some are not going to receive you. And that could be hard. But when Jesus brings them back together in Luke 10, they say, man, it was amazing. And how hard was it for some of those that didn't get to see that to hear from the others? This is what we see to happen. And yet they're all in this together. And Jesus says, that's awesome. You got to see the demons cast out in my name. But rejoice even more that your name's written in heaven. And in fact, it says the spirit of God came on Jesus and he rejoiced and gave glory to the father that he'd reveal this to children. And not only that, he gave the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so in the midst of what they've all just seen, next step of your discipleship is to love your enemies. He taught on the Sermon on the Mount, but then he gives a parable. If you want to be like my kingdom is, be willing to be considered the Samaritan who loves those that persecute them. And then he comes to Mary and Martha's house and says to Martha, Martha, as much as you want to do for me right now, it's even better to sit at my feet. And so as I read from Luke 11, as much as we want to do for God, what is it like to receive these words in Jesus once again teaching us this shamelessly bold and persistent prayer? Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And then consider again, they'd seen miracles happen in Jesus' name. But they still need to be taught how to pray. So wherever you're at this morning, again, if you're skeptical, if you're seeking, if you're believing, wherever we're out, let's be disciples of Jesus. Say, Lord, teach us how to pray again. And then Jesus said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. Don't miss that. We also forgive everyone. And do not bring us into temptation. Jesus more than likely taught this many times to his disciples. In Matthew's gospel, we get a little bit of a longer version. But this is Jesus tweeting out this prayer teaching. You know, there's the uh, Facebook version and this is the Twitter version. Jesus also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness. Don't miss that in verse 8. Even because he's his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil, that can kind of hit us for a moment, but if you then who are imperfect, if you then who often go your own way or try to be your own savior or rule your own lives or think you have better things for your friends, children, and neighbors than what God has for them, if you give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, this morning I want to bring us back to the Lord's Prayer because this King Jesus Prayer does two things. This shamelessly bold and persistent prayer. The King Jesus Prayer fills us 
with heavenly grace to pour out to others, and the King Jesus prayer brings Pentecostal provision for our witness. The King Jesus prayer fills us with grace to pour out to others, but the King Jesus prayer also brings Pentecostal provision for witness. Have you ever noticed when you pour out a cup of water onto the ground where the water goes? Where does the water go? Where does water go when it hits the ground? It goes to the lowest places. It goes to the darkest places. It goes to those places that we often can't see with the eye, and yet the water moves through the cracks and gets to the driest areas. See, this morning, we need this teaching from Jesus that somehow his prayer is ultimately connected to the Holy Spirit, but not only that, it's connected to what we need in our identity. It's connected to what we need in our purpose. It's connected to what we need in our security. It brings us together in community, and it offers us freedom and peace. In Jesus' day, rabbis prayed many times throughout the day, but for people who worked, who didn't get to be in those special places of education, they needed to be taught by the rabbis how to pray. And so the rabbis brought these prayers together in what was called the Amidah to pray it three times. And so some of us here may have been taught in Buddhist teachings how to meditate or pray. Some of us may come from more monotheistic traditions. And so the Quran or the Torah in Judaism or in Muslim with the Quran has maybe been places where we've learned how to pray. And yet Jesus is coming in to be our rabbi, the rabbi today, to teach us to pray prayer that more than likely disciples, when they asked, were saying, well, we'll pray this three times a day because that's what was part of their tradition And yet Jesus pushes it more. No, no, no. Be shamelessly bold and persistent in praying this prayer. It is connected to the very spirit of God that is on me that you have seen bring the kingdom of God. Say, Mike, help us unpack that a little bit. Well, this King Jesus prayer fills us with heavenly grace to pour out to others in the low, dry, and hidden dark places. God's pouring it into our low and our dry and our hidden dark places, but then it is an overflow to be prayed into others. You say, Mike, break that down. Our Father... We start with our Father because we're not in this alone. And we are not proving ourselves or performing to get God's attention. He said, if you are who are evil, give good gifts as good parents. God is a always true, always good, always generous parent to you. So when you start this prayer, remember that. Your identity is as a daughter or son of God, and your walk with God is not alone. You're with all the other rambunctious children. You're all with all the other wild ones. When we pray, we don't say my father. We say our father. That breaks into that good Samaritan parable. People are coming to Jesus. They're people that were the outcasts like the lepers. They were those that maybe they despised or looked down on like the prostitutes. They were those like the tax collectors that had abused them and stolen from them. But when you pray, it's our father. You're with them in the family. This good news is bringing people together. And it's with people that you think you're better than or you're less than. And we're in this family gig. So increase our capacity to understand just how great your family is, God. Put less focus on ourselves. It's our Father. We need your name. We're children of God. Your kingdom come. Again, in Matthew's gospel, he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we have our identity secure and that we're children that are fully loved and fully known, Our purpose is secure in that we need a kingdom better than our castles to break into the world. How many of us are building castles this morning that don't look like the kingdom of God? That we think we need to find our purpose in our salary or in our title or in what our family thinks of us or our friends think of us. 
And in that space, God is trying to set us free. It's not your castle that's going to bring your purpose to the world. God's already got a greater purpose in his kingdom. And when he says, your will be done instead of our will be done, how often do we spend time trying to make our wills happen? And it's bringing on stress and anxiety because our plans aren't coming to bear. And Jesus is like, no, I want to set you free from that. See, what our wills do is they nail Jesus to the cross. When we say, I want to reign, not you, when my version of peace comes, not yours, it often ends up hurting someone else. But Jesus gives up his life. When we pray for, give us this day our daily bread, that's our security. God gives us identity. God gives us purpose. God gives us security. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say for, to pray for tomorrow's bread. How much of your life is spent about the worries of tomorrow when Jesus said, don't even pray about that? I got prayed for you today. And that was a word for those that didn't know where their next meal was going to come from, as well as those who are wealthy. Just pray for today's bread. And in one sense, that's the bread of life. That's Jesus. We need him every day. In another sense, when he just told this parable, what was it that the friend was looking for? Three loaves of bread for his neighbor. And so in another sense, the Spirit's connected with that prayer. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But we need the filling of the Spirit because all the bonus things you've got, whether it's your wealth or your time or your freedom, is intended to meet the need of those that are praying for their daily bread. Jesus wants his church to be the ones that if we got more than what we need today in terms of our money, our time, can you freely give it away and not hoard it? See, this prayer for our giving our daily bread is a gift to free us from hoarding into a life of simplicity and generosity and dependency. You're not supposed to live independent as a Christian. We are interdependent on God the Father, on the family he's invited us into, and in the midst of seeking those in the world that need our time, that need our thoughts, that need our vulnerability. Man, I tell you what, your witness will increase when you begin to invite more people into where you're weak and you get to showcase the grace that's sufficient for you. Forgive so we got identity, our Father, your kingdom, our purpose. Give us this bread, our security. Forgive us. Do we really mean what we pray? I mean, we're following Jesus' command, but when we say, Father, forgive us as we have forgiven those, do you want God's forgiveness to be based on how well you forgive? And yet Jesus is inviting us into an intense discipleship moment. God's grace is not contingent on what you've done for him, but if you understand God's grace and how much the prayer at the cross was, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, was for you as much as it was for the people there, is your forgiveness in line with that excruciating, vulnerable, naked forgiveness of God on the cross? That when we say, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven that we push in, maybe that's the first place we got to step in with Jesus by the Spirit and say, God, I don't even know how to forgive. I'm not an enemy lover. I will tell you, as a pastor in New England, as a post-toddler pastor, I've only been a pastor for like five years. I'm starting to learn a lot. I pray that God would separate the chaff from what I say this morning from the wheat that he's got in his word. But man, Christians, we are not good at forgiving. Why is that when our Lord, our Savior, the one whose kingdom comes, is the ultimate enemy lover and forgiver? Do we even know the first step of discipleship in this prayer he's inviting us into that we would be known as the enemy lovers, not the ones fighting for our castles and our rights? Is that the first step by which we come, become more like Jesus right now this morning? 
with your family, with that friend betrayed you, with the people that you think are different than you or that will hurt you. They say, man, I need to be delivered from that. Why didn't Jesus say that in this Twitter version? He says that, deliver us from the evil one in the Matthew version. I know, it's almost like the disciples were waiting for that gap. Man, I got to be delivered again. Please, Jesus. We'll say, well, it's the cry of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus in John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39, has a faithful Jewish man was celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles at the temple. Feast of the Tabernacles was about the people walking through the desert in a place in which they didn't know where food was going to come from. They didn't know where water was going to come from. And yet God gave them shelter and provided manna and provided the quail for the meat. And yet Jesus has the audacious, shameless boldness to say this in John's gospel. The one who believes in me, as scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow deep from within then. The one who believes in me. And then John gives a commentary. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying then, you're in the wilderness, I know it. Jesus was sent by the Spirit into the wilderness to encounter the evil one and overcome. You need the Holy Spirit to live into the life of this prayer. You need the Holy Spirit to give you those streams of living water when you are dry, when you feel empty, when you're in those dark places. And this prayer of Jesus is a place to ignite that. You say, how, Mike, how is this King Jesus prayer bringing Pentecostal provision for our witness in the wilderness? Galatians 4, 6 says, because we are his children, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. How do we say our Father? Father, the Spirit brings that to life in us. How do we say, hallowed be thy name? In John 16, Jesus, in the midst of that upper room door discourse between John 14 and John 16, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll give glory to me. The Spirit loves for us to hallow the name of God. The Spirit loves for us to give glory to God. So he ignites in us when we say, hallowed be your name. When we say your kingdom come, Paul said to the church in Rome in Romans 14, 7, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You want wholeness to come to those broken places. You want healing. You want joy that comes in the morning against the evil, against the darkness. In the midst of that, would you pray this prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done, because the Holy Spirit's like, I'm all about that. I bring a kingdom of righteousness and joy and peace, and I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to Woburn. I'm bringing it to Worcester. Genesis, will we pray, your kingdom come, God. Your will be done in us as it is in heaven. When we pray for that daily bread, again, Luke 11 connects praying our daily bread to praying for three loaves for the people in our lives of which are knocking at our doors when we are most weak and vulnerable. It's the middle of the night. The middle of the night's scary when you're under an empire against occupation and somebody's banging on your door asking for food. Who likes to be woken up at two in the morning? Who thinks that's the time when the Holy Spirit likes to come to you? And yet, isn't it beautiful that that's when Jesus says, in that moment when you're most vulnerable, when it's most dark and you think it may be an enemy or a friend and you got nothing to give them. Verse 8, but because of your shameless boldness and persistence, will you not only get what you need from, but for? See, this interaction is a receiving from and a giving for. It's not hoarding it up. It's not protecting ourselves when we're most vulnerable, when it's darkest, when evil seems to be the most intense in the middle of the night of our lives. It's in that moment the Holy Spirit's like, I'm ready. You want to ask? I'm ready to showcase the kingdom of God. Do you want to see? Do you want the true bread of life that you'll understand what it's like to live off of me? 
forgive us. Oh, forgive us, God. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is piercing, and Ephesians 6.17 says the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. You want to have a forgiving heart? The Spirit loves to use the word of God to show us what we have not forgiven, what we are one who does not forgive like our Father, where we don't give up our lives to take on the debt of somebody else who owes us something. But the word of God brings us there. If we are to bear the name of Christ, we are the enemy lovers, we are the forgivers. God is calling you to step into who you already are. And then lead us not into temptation. Galatians 5 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not do what the sinful nature desires. We need some help, Genesis. We need some help, Emmaus City. We need some help, Woburn. We need some help, Worcester. The great author, Marcel Proust, said, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. I think some of us are looking for new spiritual experiences. Some of us are looking for ways that make us individually feel good. But the prayer that God's given us, this shamelessly bold, this wild and audacious prayer, will crack open our lives in ways in which we will desperately need the Spirit of God. We will be taught to pray with shameless boldness and persistence. But it's not a new landscape. It's simply having new eyes to see what he's already given. Jesus wants to encounter us and invite us into space Will we pray prayers like this? Uh, I think my wife has entered the building. Uh, she will be worshiping with us during the last service. She invites or allows me to, pr- to share this story. But a moment in which we love to watch movies. Went to Best Buy back when, I mean, I still get DVDs, but it was a three for 20 deal. Um, and uh, she'd get a movie she loved, I'd get a movie I loved, and we would get the third one that we both loved. Uh, but for the one I loved, I picked out A River Runs Through It. It's kind of the film that Brad Pitt got his big break. Robert Redford directed it. And uh, for some who like action films, it's a little slow. Um, Julie, when she was younger, <clears throat> she saw it once, probably like 12 years old. And so when I picked it up, I said, oh, we got to watch this one. Because I had watched it when I was a little bit older, watched it multiple times, and it really sunk into me. Uh, Julie's like, oh, man, that movie's boring. I was like, I, uh, I think I know what you're saying, but like, let's watch it tonight. Let's go back to that film. And so we went home in our little 400-square-foot apartment, lived on campus at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Our dining room, our kitchen, and our living room were all the same space. Uh, And so we laid down on that floor, and we watched it. I didn't look at her the whole time we were watching. And then at the end, when I turned and the credits started, she was weeping. This movie is so good. (laughs) And sometimes that's what we need. We need somebody else to invite us into a space where we thought, oh, that's old hat. And just sit with me in this space and pray this. Sit me with this in, in this space and understand. Because when we pray this prayer, what we're doing is we're saying, I want to taste the intimacy of being God's beloved child. I want to collaborate with God, his creative, powerful, redemptive work in the world. I want to live without worry, jealousy, or lust. I want to forgive and love as I have been forgiven and loved. I want to experience victory over the temptations I struggle with and feel God's peace when I suffer. Who doesn't want that this morning? And Jesus says, let me teach you how to pray. I got three applications for y'all, and then I'm out. First one's personal. Uh, For the next service, if I don't turn off my phone at 11.08, that alarm's going to go off. And maybe that's what God wants for us in that uh, third service is that alarm goes off, and we're just going to start praying the Lord's Prayer and asking for the Holy Spirit to come. Maybe that's what we need. 
but every day my alarm is set for 11.08 a.m. Why? Luke 11.8 says, because of your shameless boldness and persistence, will you not get what you need? Some of you are night owls, maybe you need 11.08 p.m. You're like, hmm. I got other things going on at 11.08 a.m. But whatever that is, I invite you for a personal application, pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Move it into a space in which you connect it with the spirit and shameless boldness and persistence. For your communal application, Genesis. Before you come to gather for worship on a Sunday morning together, pray the Lord's Prayer when you're coming in through that door. Our Father, people here need to know they're the children of God. Your kingdom come. we got to stop building our castles and give away. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Man, my will has wrecked me this week. It's made me anxious, lustful, jealous. Your will, God, is generous and simple and powerful. I need our daily bread. Again, remember, it's our. We share Jesus together. We give away from the bonus and benefits of the kingdom. Man, we need to forgive each other. That's what that table is for. It's a table of reconciliation. We don't take that table as individuals. We're connecting with Jesus' global church. That, the Eucharist, give thanks. That's where forgiveness. Jesus said, if you've got a problem with somebody and come to the altar, go reconcile with them first. Let that table teach you how to forgive I know that deliverance from the evil one has come. Jesus has crushed his head. He will not win. He will not win. Each time, this was the first time I've been able to sing King of Kings with a congregation. Man, when we hit that part about the dead in Christ rising, and then the church of Christ was born and the spirit lit the flame. Because this gospel truth of old will not yield and will not fade. It's the only thing you can count on to not die in this life or become dust. That's where we're coming in in community. So pray that Lord's Prayer that Tertullian said is an abridgment of the entire gospel. But this is also missional. I've had the privilege of praying recently, even this past week, the couple that was dealing with hurt, that was dealing with a lack of forgiveness, that was dealing with misunderstanding. And when I prayed with them at the end, I just pray for, through the Lord's Prayer. You got coworkers and neighbors that need you to say, hey, can I pray for you? And just pray the Lord's Prayer. I had somebody in the first service that came to me afterwards, and I knew what he was talking about. He said, I've been in spaces where I've sung the Lord's Prayer. It's like people don't need to believe or not, and they'll step and they say, I, I think I encountered something in that moment. Why wouldn't we with Jesus Fully God, fully man, fully filled with the Holy Spirit to do amazing things if that's how he's teaching us to pray. Why wouldn't we say, well, I guess he knows better. You say, Mike, how am I praying this for my coworkers or neighbors or enemies or friends? Well, when you pray our Father in heaven, ask, Lord, how do you want this person to know the assurance of your love today? That they're not proving their self to be in a family. When I pray your kingdom come, your will be done for this person, what would it look like for your kingdom of joy and peace to break into this person's life today that they would see something other than their castle that's crumbling? They say, give us today our daily bread. What specific provision are you pouring out on this person today that will fill them enough for what they need for today? Forgive us as, what, as we also have forgiven. What bitterness are you trying to take away from this person? What wound are you trying to heal? And what grace do you want for this person today? Lead us not into temptation. What is the right path you've laid out for this person to walk with you today? They're not alone. Emmanuel, God with us. Y'all are going to be singing, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Pray it. 
And then deliver us from the evil one. Don't lead us in temptation. What is the right path? But not only that, how can I pray your protection over this person today? Genesis, get shameless. Get bold. Get persistent in your praying. Pray this 20-second prayer with Jesus. Offer it to him. Offer it for him. Offer it through him. And be sent out by the power of the Holy Spirit.